Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast, presented by Dead Soxie, hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady, and featuring RebelGrove.com and Rivals.com recruiting analyst Russell Johnson. Awesome! The Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Caution, you are about to enter the no-spin zone. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail, and it does it in style. Just like Dead Soxy. I'm better looking than you. Visit DeadSoxy.com and enter Rebel Grove at checkout for 25% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now here's your host, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by DeadSoxy.com. I am your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion joins. We're going to talk a lot of Ole Miss recruiting. Um, we'll probably talk some Clemson by way of getting talking about Ole Miss recruiting. We'll probably end up talking about a lot of different programs. There's a lot going on in recruiting. The camp season at Ole Miss is over, but it's, uh, it's still rocking at a lot of places. And uh, the dead period is still... A little ways away and kids are coming in on uh, unofficial visits there's been a lot of commitment action with Ole Miss and with other programs it's my fairly educated opinion that more commitments are uh, somewhat imminent if not really imminent by the time you hear this on uh, Thursday as you head into your weekend so we'll get to all that in a minute but first let me tell you about Dead Soxie as you know if you've been outside warm weather hot weather is here with it comes the inevitable debate of sock or no sock with your loafers. You can save your feet and your shoes from making their very own distinct impression this time of year by stepping into uh, summer with some no-shows from Dead Soxy. You really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. Go to DeadSoxy.com, enter the code REBELGROVE at checkout to receive 30% off all orders, including sale items. These no-shows are the same quality you already love and enjoy with their traditional dress socks, and they come with the no-slip guarantee. I've been using them. Um, I, my, I cannot stand the feeling of bare feet in loafers on hot days. Just can't, I can't do it. I've never been able to do it. So I've always been the dorky-looking guy with the white socks and tennis shoes with uh, shorts and a, pol- and a polo. I've been able, thanks to Dead Soxy, to get away from that. I can wear my loafers, and they're comfortable now because of my no-show socks from Dead Soxy. So go to deadsoxy.com. Check out the no-show collection, and remember to enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout for 30% off all orders. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford you're looking for. He will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle. Just a great quote. Um... Then you can take that quote, you can chop it around, you can let it be a baseline for you moving forward, or you can do what I've done three times now, and that's close your deal with the people at Clark Ford. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove it to you. Call that number. You'll begin to find out what I'm talking about. And at the end of your deal, tell Corey that you heard about Clark Ford on the Soft Verbal Podcast or any of our family of podcasts, and you will save $500 off your great bottom line. Again, that number is 662-257-1900. Zach, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. I know we're going to start getting you on this podcast uh, quite often, so uh, thanks for being on here this first time. Happy to be here, Neil. 
It's a pleasure. Um, all right, we're going to get into recruiting and stuff first. I've it, it was funny. I read your column. I was in Fayetteville over uh, the last couple of days. I don't remember when I did anything, frankly. It's been sort of a, a blur, 48 hours or so. But I remember reading your column at some point in the last 48 to 72 hours and thinking, you know what, he's going to take some heat for this, uh, but he's right. You wrote on Red Cup Rebellion about kind of this Ole Miss staff, this recruiting staff, having a plan and sticking to the plan. And you made some comparisons to Clemson when Clemson got started with the Dabo Sweeney era. And I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth when I say you're not necessarily comparing Matt Luke to Dabo Sweeney. You're not predicting that Ole Miss is going to become the Clemson of the SEC. And you're not comparing Clemson and Ole Miss directly certainly as of now because Clemson is the national champion and Ole Miss is coming off debilitating uh, probation and so the programs are not anywhere close to the same place but where I thought you were exactly right was and I've been trying to say this and I don't know that I've articulated it as well as you did in that column Ole Miss has a plan and to get anywhere especially an undertaking such as, hey, let's rebuild a Power 5 program in the SEC West and make it a contender, you, you don't just haphazardly get there. You have to have a roadmap. You have to have a plan, and you have to be willing to execute that plan, and sometimes that means making some difficult decisions. It's the one thing I've really admired about what this staff has done since Tyler Siski came on, since they've uh, – navigated their way through the probationary period and now they're sort of in the clear and yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of you know damage that's very evident to the program you can turn around and and look at the building if you will and see that yeah there's going to be some rebuilding we're going to have to do here but the skies seem to be clear there's a little uh crispness in the air if you will and they have a plan that they're trying to execute yeah i think there's some definite confidence uh, especially now the last couple weeks they've had uh, some success on the recruiting trail, but yeah, referencing the the uh, the column that I wrote, I actually um, touched on it. I guess it was back in 2017 when Matt Luke officially was named head coach, and uh, you made the comparison to what Davo did when he was there. He was a former interim guy. None of the Clemson people wanted him to be hired. I mean, I, people were you know just ranting and raving about how why are we hiring this guy. You know, just because he can recruit a little bit, it doesn't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, everything started to really roll when they got beat by West Virginia in the Orange Bowl, 70-33, to 33, and Dabo got rid of Kevin Steele. After that, goes out, hires Brent Venables. The rest is history. Uh, Chad Morris was there, who's now at Arkansas. Um, he, you know, I laid it out to where it was. He fired his coordinators when he knew that he needed to. And then he stayed out of the way, and then he was just tr- stayed true to himself. And I think that, you know, on a certain level, like you said, we're not saying that Ole Miss is going to be Clemson anytime soon. He basically laid it out for what Matt Luke needed to do. Now, granted, maybe firing the coordinators was maybe <laughs> a year or two late, um, but he finally did it. He's got two former National Coach of the Year um winners who are his coordinators now which no one else can say that and he's got tons of head coaching experience on the staff and then now it's just time to stay out of the way um and i think that he's doing that a lot on the recruiting trail and i'm in really intrigued to see how he handles things this season 
with those two types of coordinators on his staff, whether they're on the sideline or in the booth. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, there's, there's a, there's a confidence, there's a crispness in the air over there at the facility. And I think that that's just Matt Luke staying true to himself and staying true to his message. Um, you know, the, you don't have to be blood to be family thing. It's kind of cheesy, but I think it's resonating with recruits now. Um, I like it so much better than Mississippi made. Cause I always <laughs> thought, and it's not about Mississippi. It's about, my thoughts when they did the Mississippi made thing, and I've told people that over there this, so I'm not speaking out of turn, is what is that? I you can kind of pigeonhole yourself a little bit. You can, and it, I know that like it, it's designed to sort of have the same sort of impact as uh, you know, built by Bama, right? And so I got it, I understood it. My thing was, you know. When you talk about Mississippi made and your coach, one of the selling points, at least when they initially hired him, was, hey, this is a Mississippi guy who played here, his family played here, he gets it here, blah, 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 is that you can get yourself, like you said, pigeonholed into this little corner where, hey, we're going to recruit Mississippi kids, and that's what we're after. And so if we get any kids from elsewhere, it's almost understood that they're sort of leftovers. I know that's not what they were saying at all, but I kind of interpreted it as that way a little bit. And – They've gotten away from that, and all, every school does the cheesy stuff. There's, right. There's is the whole family thing. I mean, you see that, you see that in college basketball. You see it in in the NBA and stuff. Teams say, "Hey, we're family," and whatever. Um, and and they've made that a big part. In fact, a lot of the kids who've committed, one of the comments they've made is, "Hey, when I'm there, it feels like family." Right. Well, I think that that that's that's pretty true, and it's I don't know. Kids say that a lot. Um, but there's a lot of isms with recruiting where a lot of buzzwords a lot of you know catchphrases that kids will say in interviews but that is one thing that is said time and time again when kids go to Ole Miss and to Oxford they mention family they mention the environment around the coaching staff and I think that that's something that Matt Luke has done a really good job as of you know as of now with staying true to his message how he wants to operate as a program and how he wants to recruit uh, moving forward yeah you know it's funny because fans will, will they'll get on you and me for this because they'll say, well, you didn't say this last year. And you're right. I didn't. And you probably didn't either. Um, it's not that this time a year ago it was caustic or anything. You didn't, you didn't walk in there and feel like, ooh, something's wrong. But there was, there was an unease walking in there last year. There was, mm-hmm. you know, there was already rumblings before the season even started that, Matt Luke really didn't intend to keep Phil Longo, that Matt Luke really didn't intend to keep Wesley McGriff, that things had to go really well for those guys to keep their jobs, that um, you know, there were there were some there were some names already floating around, you know, and, and um now this season, even the, the there's just and again, it's preseason, and we're almost to that place where we'll get it at media days, um, breaking news. Everyone had a great offseason. Every program in the country had a great yep. offseason. Everybody's bigger, and they're faster, and they're stronger, and this is the best group of kids. And they've really everyone's working hard, and um, everyone can't wait to get started. So all that stuff's coming, <laughs> and then um, and then you'll and read. Then everybody, and everybody asks the uh – Coach, tell me about questions. Yeah, tell, t- yeah, tell me about. Talk to me. Uh, talk about. Um, but then in August, we're, we're we're almost there, and we'll get 
every camp, man, boy, camps. Who camp looks good? These kids look good. They, this this team's going to be. This team's going to surprise. And not everybody can surprise. So I'm I'm getting away from that. It's just a general feeling in that building that they're going in the right direction. Now there's an understanding in that building that this is a young team. There are uh, a lot of people that have to be replaced, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that are getting paid to play football uh, at a very high level now. And there's no guarantee that that, uh, that the people that are being asked to step in and replace them are going to be able to step in and replace them immediately. There's an understanding that it, you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a recipe for it not going so well right out of the gate. But you're right, there's in large part because of Rich Rodriguez, Mike McIntyre, the fact that Matt Luke, I think, feels very comfortable with these guys. He's letting them do their thing. He's he's there to help and to support but not to get in the way. And there's, there's a real positive vibe inside that building that I think these kids that are coming in for camps and these kids that are coming in to visit and to get to know coaches, I think you feel that. You know, you walk into a house where – the, the couple's fighting or whatever, or people are unhappy. You can feel <laughs> yeah. it. You can feel that. And, oh, it's palpable. Yeah, and when you walk into a house where it's the freaking Brady Brunch, you can feel that too. And and right now, that when you walk into that building over there, there's a real positive vibe. There's a real um, eagerness to get started. There's some excitement. There's a feeling that they're going in the right direction. There's there's a, a realistic optimism, if you will, because it's not this, hey, man, we're we're going to go 10-2 and two this fall. No one's saying that. People are like, you know, it's we think we can surprise some people. We think we can win some games. We think we're going to be better than people think we are, but we, we know we're going to be young, and uh, we know we're going to be green, but we like what we're doing. And then when you look at the results that they're starting to get in recruiting, that that, yeah. is, that is sort of supported. Yeah, and I think just to tie it back into the whole Clemson comparison conversation we were having earlier was, you know, Dabo, I think, is now, I think after 2011, um, that was when he got his first top 10 class. I think it was 2012 until now. He's won 10 or more games every year. He obviously um, hasn't, you know, been to the title game a couple times, won it twice, um, blew out Alabama last year, um, which was pretty shocking to see, but... Before all of this happened, you know, 2012, they finished 20th in recruiting, uh, 2013, 15th, 2014, 16th, 2017, 16th. So they, they were in that 14 to 20 range a lot. Now they're getting top 10 classes left and right. They're number one right now. Um, that's something that, you know, they're recruiting at a very high level now. They, I think you and Chase mentioned it this morning on the Oxford Exxon podcast, um, which can be found at all your podcast uh <laughs> needs um you know you mentioned they essentially if you're committed you can't go anywhere i mean that was literally why jerry and ely decommitted from ole miss was because he wanted to go visit because they don't allow it and they're at that point now where they're operating at, at high enough a level to where they can be picky and and tell kids that and kids will say well okay well when you beat alabama like that in the national title game you can tell us what to do in certain situations like that now some kids may respond differently but in in Clemson's situation here, hey, if you don't like it, sorry, we'll we'll go find someone else. So, um, but just comparing everything, um, in his first year they finished thirty sixth in recruiting, and that was sixth in the ACC that year. Then the next year they were twenty seventh. So comparing it, and this is a direct comparison that I'm actually doing now. I'm not saying that Matt Lucas Debo Sweeney, bear in mind, but he was thirty second in his first year at Ole Miss, and then. 
they finished 10 spots better last season in 2019. So trajectory, small sample size, but moving in the right direction. And then now I believe Ole Miss is in the top 20 in team rankings. And um, we'll probably get into it here in a moment, but I think it's going to continue to to get better. But yeah, they're just, they're staying true to their system. They're bringing kids in, seeing them in person, submitting offers and accepting commitments that way instead of just, well, you know, Alabama and Auburn offered him, so we should offer him even though we haven't seen him. So I think that that's the, where I tie everything in, where Clemson is going to trust their staff and their evaluations. And, you know, hey, maybe they have a top five class, but then maybe they're 15th in the country. It doesn't really matter to them because they trust who they're bringing in and they know they're going to win games because of how they're evaluating. Yeah, I can tell you that at Ole Miss right now, there's probably some frustration with some of the rankings. They, I'm sure they disagree with some of the rankings. Yeah, but a lot of that's not in rivals' control at all. Yeah, and it's not. And I mean, I'm not going to just pick on rivals here. It's everybody. I mean, you you've got you've got. Or we'll take rivals because I'm I'm familiar with it. So Chad Simmons does a really good job with recruiting. Chad works really hard. He gets out on the road every week, but Chad has a big territory. I mean, you're covering Georgia, and you're covering Alabama, and you're covering Mississippi, and I don't know if you've noticed, but there are a lot of schools in those three states. Um, you're, you're not going to see everyone. And when you get into a state like Mississippi, where there's still a lot of programs that, uh, they frankly, they don't do a great job of promoting their kids. They don't, they don't do a great job of getting their kids to the camps. They don't do a, good, a great job of getting the uh, huddle film to the right people. They don't. It's just honest. It's always been a problem, and it makes ranking a state like Mississippi difficult. And then you throw in the fact that, um, you know, there's there's uh, the Mississippi State site doesn't really exist. Uh, I mean, it, it exists, <laughs> but it's not alive. And, uh, you know, and then our site has gone through a, a recruiting transition. And so there hasn't been a person that's been out on the road in the, in the last year to, to go see these kids, to evaluate these kids, to get the evaluations to the right people. And so uh, there are some things that fall through the cracks. Um, so there's a lot of, quote, blame, end quote, to go around. I mean, look, we're not, we're not curing cancer here. It's not the end of the world. And it's June. Rivals doesn't Rivals has time to get it right. Uh, there's, there's, still yeah. plenty, there's still plenty of time to reevaluate, to get kids correct, to, uh, to get heights and weights correct, to look at kids, to look at film, to get it right. The, the rankings in June are not final rankings. So, um, and, let's, and let's be real. I don't think people are dying to go to Winona, Mississippi to, to evaluate somebody. Yeah. I mean, it's not and, exactly. And, and it's twofold. I mean, some of, these, some of these schools, the head coaches don't really take, take charge of, of their players recruiting. They don't help them out. Like you said, they don't send, submit huddle film to the right people. They may not. Um, some, some of these kids may not, you know, they either can't drive yet or they don't have a ride. They don't have somebody that can take them to a camp. So a lot of it's just, they're not seen. So people don't know about them. Yeah. There's a lot there. There's a, it's multifaceted. It's not as simple as our rivals sucks. Rivals doesn't suck. 24 seven doesn't (laughs) suck. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that it's, but it's hard to go see every kid. So anyway, there's, I'm sure there's some frustration with the rankings, but they're not basing these decisions off of rankings. And I, I remember – I'll pick on Houston Nutt here. Why not? I remember there was a time when with Houston Ooh, yeah, Nutt – Yeah, here we go. Yeah, Houston Nutt made decisions off, off rankings at Ole Miss. No question. There was a kid that was a four-star. Let's go get him. 
Um, I'm absolutely convinced that Hugh Freeze did not take Jannard Avery because he didn't have four stars. Had nothing yeah. to do with anything else. So um, Daryl Henderson too, probably. Uh, yeah, perhaps. Um, it's one of those things that that uh, there's there's a lot to it, but they're making evaluations not off stars, not off rankings, not off how it's going to impact their class ranking, but based off hey, they have kind of a plan as it pertains to height, weight, as it pertains to speed, as it pertains to um, the type of not character necessarily, but the type of personality that they have. They're 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 trying to. This is cliche, change the culture, but they are kind of trying to change the culture a little bit. And to do that, you've got to get to in front of these kids. You got to see them. Um, you've got to get you got to get your numbers straight. And so they're banking on their own evaluations. And it's kind of like in anything. I mean, you have to respect someone when they says when when you know the 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 guy that that could take a contract and he says, nope, I'm going to wait another year and I'm going into free agency. I'm banking on myself. It doesn't always work, but you got to respect it. Um, well, that's what you want, right? It's what you want. I mean, you I want. I mean, that's you want a staff keep... of. If if I'm right. an, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I want a staff of people that are doing their own evaluations, that are making their own decisions. Because guess what? If it doesn't work, the scoreboard will reflect it. And if the scoreboard reflects it enough times, they'll all get fired. Yeah, they know that. Well, I mean. Look at the probably the program that has recruited at the highest level in the past decade. I mean, why did why do why do you think Nick Saban has nine analysts on his team? Because he knows how important evaluations are, and he hires certain people to be analysts because he trusts their evaluations. So I have multiple sources on this. Multiple sources on this. <laughs> yeah, Nick Saban. Not... Nick Saban has no idea where a kid is ranked when they make an offer or when they accept a commitment no clue i i, I probably i have no sourcing on this but i would venture to say that he probably doesn't know who the kids are until they get there in his office and he meets them because he has so many people handle things for him well that's now this is where but it, it goes hand in hand with what you just said a minute ago he does a ton of evaluation himself he takes a lot of tape home i mean this is a guy saban's an outlier Saban goes on vacation and takes tape with him. Comes home halfway through his vacation to get more tape. <laughs> you talking about when he's going to the lake? He goes to the lake. Yeah. And he does evaluation, and they'll send someone to the lake with more tape. <laughs> this is a guy that looks at tape, and then he has all these analysts. What do they do? They're evaluating. Yeah. So they, they, they make evaluations. They're banking on themselves. Tyler Siski comes to Ole Miss. They put in the Shark Tank. They put in these people. It's far more organized. The technology's better. The communication's better. The evaluations are better. And they're they're basing their decisions off their evaluations. I mean, here, here's, a, here's a stat for you. Ole Miss gets a commitment. I can't remember when it happened. Kentrell Bullock commits. And uh, I think that was first week of June. June 9th. Yeah. June okay. 9th. June the 9th. Uh, since then, he—I don't know how many he had before, but he now has seven SEC offers. Huh? That's half the league for those of you that's, who don't have weird. a ULM degree. Um, <laughs> that's seven. That's seven SEC offers. And that tells you that a lot of people around the country—it's one of two things—they either are paying attention to Ole Miss's evaluations, or they're doing their own evaluations and reaching the same conclusion which is he can play in the SEC. 
Well, that was with, you know, Cedric Johnson. He commits last weekend. Everybody immediately, he doesn't have any stars. Oh, I'm so glad we're beating out South Alabama. Well, you know, if you pay attention, he just received three, three Power Five offers, SEC offers in one week. Yeah, South, after he's evaluated, South Carolina, who does a very good job of evaluating and, and offering, they they've offered him. Uh, Tennessee, which is the last few years has gotten a lot of acclaim for being a recruiting school. I was going to say, all jokes aside, they recruit well. Um, they offered him. And then Texas A&M, which is very invested in its football program right now, they offered. It's a good buzzword. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimbo knows a thing or two about evaluating. And investing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he does. Now, look, I mean, he's won a national championship, and, and, and Texas A&M's paying him a ton of money to win another one there. Whether he can or can't, we'll find out. But that's my point, is, is a kid like Cedric Johnson um, – uh, a, a, a guy like uh, Andarius Coffee from Winona has picked up a bunch of offers since he committed. There's, I, I, there are people inside that building that are really high, really high on Jaquandis Burns. Think he thinks he's an impact uh, linebacker at the SEC level very early in his career. I don't know what kind of offers he has, but they like him. And what what are they, some of these guys that they're recruiting at linebacker all have something in common? They have some height. Mm-hmm. They have frame they can grow into, and they run well. It's why, think, and I've said this so many times, where it's repetitive. And I, and, but when Hugh Freeze got to Ole Miss, there was a lot of talk about size-speed ratio, and they recruited pretty well. And then they got away from that and got more into, well, we, were, we recruit a certain kind of kid, blah, 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 which was code <laughs> for, you know, whatever. And – they slipped. Their talent fell off. There's there's no question that Ole Miss, from a talent standpoint, began to fall off. And these guys now are recruiting to formulas. And if a kid doesn't meet the formula, with rare exception, they pass. Yeah. Well, and, and y'all have talked about it on the podcast before and message boards and everything. I mean, the importance of the 5.73 star cannot be mentioned enough. That's for those that don't know, that's a fringe, you know, on the edge could be a four star, but he's not. Um, I mean, th- those kinds of commitments are huge. Uh, I was telling somebody the other day, they were, you know, asking me, why are we taking on these guys that don't have ratings or they're just three stars? You know, I was like, God, last year in the 2019 class, Ole Miss signed six, four stars and then 10, 5.73 stars. I mean, that's, that's the kind of class that you're going to have to have, especially for Ole Miss right now, the way things are. You're still getting over the NCAA cloud. Yeah. You're, I mean, let's be honest. You're coming off a five and seven season that was awful. Yeah. It's, it's going to take some time, but you mentioned Jaquandis Burns, and I think since his commitment, he's received an offer from Arizona, from Arkansas, from Baylor, from Colorado, from Louisville, who, mind you, has a damn good defensive coordinator. I think he knows about evaluating. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Utah. So it's it's just a matter, you know, the the Jalil for the or Joel Embiid, excuse me, the the trust the process. Just gotta stick to it. Yeah, and, and and there's a difference between offering the 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 kid with two stars or no stars a week before signing day, and offering that same kid in June. It's two completely different animals. 
If you do it a week before signing day and yeah. a guy goes, hey, they're getting desperate, they're, they're missing on their top targets, that's fair. And there's a decent chance that's true. Because by the yeah. time by the time the season ends, the people at Rivals at 24-7, wherever, they've, they've had an opportunity to evaluate the kid, to at least give the kid a grade, to look at the kid, to give some semblance of a grade, whether it's accurate or not. And so when there's a kid that's completely off the radar, there's a chance it's because nobody was recruited the kid. Nobody really likes the kid, and you take him because, well, you're out of time and you got to give it to somebody. You don't do that in June. These, all, these evaluations and these offers are being made off evaluations that are being made in person in June where – and this has happened a bunch with Ole Miss. I'm not going to go into names because I don't want to disparage kids. But there have been some highly ranked kids that went through Ole Miss's camp over the last two weeks that they weren't crazy about when they evaluated yeah. them in person. Well, that's where, you know, talking about confirming the height and weight, confirming the 40 times, the shuttles, the verticals, everybody can look. I mean, when you when you look at a huddle tape, when you look at film, everybody looks good on huddle because you're – compiling a series of plays that you performed well at. I mean, that's why the the film study and the evaluation that you spoke about with, with Saban is so thorough because they want to see how you did in, you know, plays that you didn't do well. Play that was, you know, away from you. The ball didn't come your way. They want to see what you do then. And I mean, I think that that's, you can see a lot of that in camp settings. And that's, that's the thing that I, I keep telling people, man, just relax. They're, this, this staff, which I mentioned, has tons and tons of head coaching experience. Three guys that have been in charge of programs include, you know, four if you count Matt Luke now. They know what to look for. They know what they want, and they're sticking to it. And that's, I mean, that's that's what you want. I'd rather if if I'm looking at a program, I'm I would much rather have a staff that is confident in their own evaluations rather than just going off of what everybody else is doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so we talked about. A lot of the guys that have committed, I'm sitting here looking at this, and, and my numbers might not be exactly right, but it looks like three, six, nine, I, I, I'm like almost 12 commitments since the start of camp season, going back mm-hmm. to uh, Josiah Hayes, who committed on uh, on June the 3rd through Eric. I think it was nine and nine days at one point, Something right? like that, yeah. And Eric Reed uh, and, and DeSanto Rollins both committed on uh, Tuesday. So the commitment count is, I don't know, it's like 17 or so. I've had people ask about numbers. It's total commitments of 17. Uh, Ole Miss right now, as of this moment, which is Wednesday afternoon, around 325 in the afternoon, Ole Miss is ranked 19th in the country, according to Rivals.com. I've had people ask about, well, are they, are they filling up too fast? Are, there, are, there, are they going to save room for certain kids? Look, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll use kids' names. They're obviously going to keep room or make room if the time comes for the kids like McKinley Jackson, for a kid like J.J. Pegues, for a kid like Reggie Grimes. They're absolutely going to make room for those kids. Numbers work out. Numbers always work out. The reason that they fill up uh, now is, you know, you go to a kid like Luke Schaus, a kid like Khalil Benson, and you say, we want you. But we'd only have room for, you know, two more tackles or whatnot. And then those kids have a decision to make. Do you gamble and say, no, I'm going to wait and let the process play out? Or do you say, you know what, I'm leaning towards Ole Miss. It's where I want to go. I'm going to reserve my spot. And that's what those kids did. There are obviously kids out there who have the um, the talent and the uh, they're, they're – 
they're desired enough that if they want to wait a while, they can wait a while. There are kids who can wait until signing day, and, and you'll take them at that moment and figure it out. And that, But those kinds of kids are rare, and they're few and far between, and, and more more kids – at some point, you got to pull the trigger and, and reserve your spot. And the early signing period has changed things. The early evaluation period has changed things. Um, I just think the calendar has moved up a lot. And I, I, so I don't think that a rash of June commitments is at least a, a year or two from now. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. In fact, I think it's strategy. Well, and you talk about the calendar being sped up. I, I think it's also – you know, these recruits want to get into school. They want to get into a weight room. They want to get into a strength and conditioning. You know, they want to get all that going early because, you know, you see it now when, when kids commit, they say the next three to four years, they don't say four years anymore. They want, they want that clock to be started and they want to get on the field as a freshman. They want to start playing and they want to get to the NFL. Now, if graduating early, graduating on time, whatever, if that falls in there as well, cool, that's even better. But they want to get on campus and they want to start working. So, I mean, everybody is concerned about the early commitments. Yes, they're going to have room for the four- and five-star guys if they want to come in December or if they want to come in February. They will obviously make room. But, I mean, it's it's something that is completely changed the way, I think, coaches evaluate, coaches take commitments. You know, there's a lot made about the committable offer, the camp offer, Um that they're holding camps earlier now. I mean, it. I think I remember when I was in high school, the camps were all in late July, August, and now they're cranking them up in June because they they need to get either a collection of commitments to be able to start to build around, or they're wanting to get their evaluations in ASAP so they can start really making moves and pushing for kids to get on campus and to commit. Yeah, you want to be able to turn your, a lot of your attention, not all of your attention, but a lot of your attention in the football season coming up to the 2021 kids. Absolutely. I mean, you got fall camp coming up. This is probably one of the more pivotal, crucial fall camps that I can remember for, for Ole Miss football. And they would ideally like to have a couple more um, guys, you know, hop into this 2020 class and to be able to kind of sit back. All right, we've got give or take, you know, four to eight spots left or whatever it is. And we're going to focus on those guys. And, and that's all we're going to focus on. And if, like you said, this other four star, five star guy, they're not going to turn them away. They're going to find a way to make it work. Speaking of guys that could be jumping in, um, they've got at least two and up to four guys coming in this weekend. And I'm always on alert kind of commitment alert if you will when kids start coming back for unofficial visits after they've been there recently and they're bringing family and things like that that they're not bringing the family for the heck of it they're bringing it there for a reason um <laughs> robbie ashford the quarterback from hoover alabama is coming in uh dr mcdonald the uh safety is coming in i know they're both uh major high priorities I'm kind of going through my notes here. I know this is not great pod, but I, I want to be accurate. Uh, Dericky Wright, who was committed to Alabama, has mm-hmm. uh, taken some other visits. Uh, he went to Kentucky, I think, recently. He's uh, he's due at Ole Miss on Friday. He camped at Ole Miss. They love him. I think he really liked them. I think there is a little commitment watch there. And um, Reggie Grimes, who I mentioned earlier, I think is uh, is due in a little later this month. And um, 
Ole Miss has consistently felt good about him. Tennessee feels good about him as well. But I think those two programs are very much in the mix for Grimes. Um, wow. We can start with any of those guys you want to. I think I think Ashford is the one that's most interesting. He's he's not making a big secret about this. I think he's planning <laughs> he's planning to commit. He's the quarterback at the top of Ole Miss's board. They're only going to take one quarterback. And I think Ashford appears to be that guy right now. Yeah, just a super, super athlete um, out of Hoover, Alabama. I know he sat behind um, the starter when he was there for two years, I believe. Got his time last year. Uh, they played a national schedule. They lost to uh, St. John's out of D.C., and then they got throttled by IMG, but that's essentially a Under Armour All-America team. But um, they made it to the semifinals, lost to Thompson, uh, who was quarterbacked by Tua's brother. Um, I believe his name is Taulia. I don't know how to say his name. but Talia. Uh, Talia, okay. Um, but just a really, really good athlete, 6'3", 205. Uh, I've kind of likened him to kind of a jumbo Russell Wilson um, which kind of works twofold because Russell played baseball as well. But um, corner outfielder for the baseball team also plays a little first base. He's got probably one of the better high school baseball swings that I've seen in a long time. Um, probably want to keep that on the hush-hush for uh, MLB draft purposes. I don't know if he'll be there yet. Um, I know that that's slowed down a little bit because he had a labrum injury as a sophomore, and I think MLB scouts are wanting to kind of see how he does as a senior. But on the football field, he's pretty much ideally what you want in a Rich Rod offense. Big, strong kid, good arm, makes good decisions, and then uh, runs extremely well. So he's uh, probably going to do a lot of really good things this year for Hoover. Um, I don't know if he'd get into the conversation of uh, maybe getting up to five-star status. He'd probably have to really blow people away. Um, he's going to go to that that Polynesia Bowl that's out in Hawaii, which if I was a recruit, I would do the same thing. For sure. So he's not going to go. He's not going to go to the Under Armour, the the U.S. All America game. But he's probably outside of McKinley Jackson, outside of you mentioned Diari McDonald. He's a really good safety prospect, and then probably any of the Memphis um, linebackers or linemen. I would probably say Robbie Ashford is probably the most important recruit for this cycle. Um, and that, that might be a hot take, but I'm going to stick with that. I think he is pivotal for this 2020 class to either be good or really good. And they already got Eric Reed, who I think they're going to at least look at at corner, a big physical corner. Uh, McDonald's sort of the same kind of guy, six, yeah. six one. I like I like Reed at corner. I do too. I mean, I think he's extremely long. I, he high points the ball well. He's not he's not super fast. I think he ran a four six at one of the opening regionals but i mean he covers a ton of ground and um yeah i mean you you mentioned him he's long he makes plays and they saw him at camp and that's what they like him at so i would stick to it they saw him at corner and they know that he can play nickel they know he can play safety and then a guy like mcdonald who really runs well 6-1 190-ish from uh, murfreesboro goes to oakland um i mean there's no there's no star questions on him. I mean, he's a four-star kid who oh, no. everybody really likes. Has tons of offers, and I like. I mean, yeah, I'm not that's... doing the forecast thing. I'm not doing the crystal ball thing or whatever. But I like Ole Miss's chances here, especially given how quickly he's coming back. I know he's uh, he's friends with Jabari Small, who is committing to Ole Miss at some point, in my mm -hmm. opinion. 
And he seems uh, to be friends with a lot of people. Yeah, and so I don't know McDonald's. Yeah, it's good for Ole Miss. McDonald's interesting, and and you know you get a couple of corners on the field like that, and that, those are those cool. are potential game changers. Yeah, well, the the East Tennessee kind of the Ole Miss has done a pretty good job of recruiting East Tennessee. I mean, they've gotten a couple of linemen from there. Bryce Matthews was from from up that way, and uh, but you know Tyrone Nix's presence on this staff has really changed things over that way. He was at Middle Tennessee, so at, he was in Murfreesboro, but um, you know his son went to Oakland, so he knows these kids, and then he's also seen them develop as high school players when he was at Middle Tennessee, and um, he. That was his territory when he was at Virginia Tech as well. So uh, you mentioned Reggie Grimes in there. Um, that's probably going to be one of the tougher pulls for the staff. Um, for those of you that don't know, his dad played at Alabama. Um, Alabama kind of gets who they want if you're a high-impact four- or five-star guy. So I would probably put my money on Nick Saban. But like you said, unofficial visits, which if you don't know, that's the recruit and the family paying their way out of their pocket coming back is is certainly something so that's it's it's half the battles getting them on campus and they're doing that and then to ricky Wright, to a, a guy who um he could play outside linebacker when he originally committed to alabama it was kind of as a safety he sort of grew out of that position though i've talked to people mm-hmm. around him who still think he could still play safety at the college level Bottom line. First first team All-State quarterback last year as well. Yeah, bottom line with a kid like Wright is at a program where Ole Miss is today, and I don't mean this as an insult at all, Alabama can be picky on a kid like Dericky Wright. Alabama can look at Dericky Wright and say, hey, you know what, we liked him as a safety. We're not quite as sure that we like him at outside linebacker, and there are five kids nationally that we like better, and we'll go get four of them. Ole Miss isn't in that boat yet, and a kid like Dericky Wright makes sense for Ole Miss's program. Yeah, and this and this might contradict a little bit what I was saying earlier about trusting your evaluations and your process. But look, if and if, if I'm going to be blunt here, if Nick Saban thinks he's good enough to accept a commitment from him, then he's probably good enough for Ole Miss. Yeah, certainly now. I mean, oh, ab- absolutely. Like you said, Ole Miss can't be picky right now. I mean, you got to get who you can get, and they've got to add linebackers because they're, you're going into a se- you're going into a season where. If there's one proven linebacker on the roster, and he'll be a junior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sonogo. I mean, he'll be. I guess he'll be a. Yeah. Yeah, a junior. You you got to go. maybe make a case for for Jock Jones, but yeah, Sonogo's the only guy. Yeah, you can make a case that he's probably will be one by the time this next class rolls right. in. That, that, that's probably fair, but I don't know that today you'd go. Oh yeah, he's a proven SEC linebacker. I just don't know that you could say that yet. No. And and you could say it about Sonogo, and that's it. So you know you have to add depth at linebacker. You've got to add people who can come in and fill in that that depth chart. And Wright would be one of those guys. He's either going to help you at safety or he's going to help you at outside linebacker. And and in that three four, you're going to have to add those kind of guys. So I think it's going to be an interesting uh, kind of last few days before the dead period starts, before a lot of the coaches go on vacation, which uh, I expect that they'll do sometime next week a lot of guys start pulling out because if you don't take a break here in the next few weeks you don't get a break and right um, so they'll they'll do that a lot of them are going to disappear and go to lakes and things and um get away from football and refresh their minds and and their batteries but uh there will be some recruiting that happens before that that kicks in and uh we'll come back this time next week and uh we'll talk about it we'll talk about what what has happened over the last weekend 
and maybe uh, look ahead to what will happen in, in August and September as the uh, football season draws closer. Zach, it was a lot of fun to visit with you. Hope to uh, hope to get you back on next week, and, and we'll do it again. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Appreciate it. That's Zach Barry. Uh, that was the Soft Verbal Podcast. Don't forget, go to deadsoxy.com and enter the promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. You get 30% off all orders, including the sales items, including the no-shows, including what's left of uh, the collegiate line. Uh, so go check that out. Great deal. We would appreciate you doing it. And don't forget to uh, check out Clark Ford as well, 662-257-1900. Call Corey Clark. Tell him what you're looking for. He's going to send you a quote. He wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove it to you. So for Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast. Until next week, take care.